touch people's lives today. If you let him, he's going to do it. He's got a plan and a purpose. Amen. Well, sure, good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you. It's good to be in the presence of God with all of you. Last week was fun, and I loved it, but there's just something about when we come together and we worship it. Fellowship is important, and it's great, but man, something about our worship, when we collectively worship God, come before his presence with expectation, it's just not anything quite like it, amen? I'm going to talk to you guys for a little bit. If you go to Matthew 1 and 18, hopefully uh, all the turkey is wore off. I was like, I'm going to be good. Then I, was, then I was sitting there like two hours later like, uh, it's like, what just happened? It wasn't the turkey. It was the cake. It was the cake. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 1 and 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not. So she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus. Why don't you just say that name? Jesus. Hallelujah. My God. Hmm. I talked to you guys today for a little bit on the reason for the season. The reason for the season. Amen. You know, um, this time of year... Like, there's holidays through the year, right? There's, like, the 4th of July, and there's Easter, and there's, there's uh, Thanksgiving, and there's, you know, even, like, Valentine's Day and all this stuff. And, like, those are days. Like, they're celebrated on a day. But this time of year, it talks about season. Like, it's, a, it's not just a one day. It's like a whole season of time that we're, we're celebrating this, um, the reason for the season, right? Um. Uh, you know, my wife said something to me the other day, and I was like, okay, so I need to kind of, I want to make some clarity here before I move on. Um, you know, I, 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 I know I've told you guys, like, I don't do Christmas trees. I don't have a Christmas tree in my house. I'm not going to have a Christmas tree, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're not going to put Christmas trees in here and all that jazz. But that's me. Like, like you can have a Christmas tree. It's okay. I'm not going to come to your house and hunt you down. Or Jesus, I really don't think Jesus is going. You guys are like pagan worshipers and you're bowing to trees and all that jazz. This is just, uh, you know, a conviction that God put in me years ago. 
And so if you want to have a Christmas tree, it's okay. Just don't get so wrapped up in that thing that it like starts consuming you. And you start looking at it and you're coveting other people's Christmas trees and coveting their decorations and all that stuff. And it becomes like this thing like, ooh, you got to see my Christmas tree. And then, you know, you might have a little bit of an issue. But, you know, I know back in the day, they coveted trees and they worshiped them and they bowed down to them and all this stuff. Uh, I, I, we're so, I heard something the other day from, or a couple weeks ago from Brother Bernard. And he, he was talking about Halloween. But he was talking about how today we're like so far removed in our holidays from a lot of that pagan stuff. Because there's a pagan aspect to everything. You have, you have the birth of Jesus and then you have Santa Claus. Spiritual, nothing spiritual at all. I mean, unless your make-believe stuff is spirit. Anyway. Nothing spiritual. You got Easter. You got, you got the birth or the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, and then you got uh, Easter bunnies running around. Like all that stuff's rooted back into pagan worship, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, so, you know, I know today, like, I don't think any of you are going to set up a Christmas tree in your house, and you're going to go in there and sit down and go, oh, tree. Or, you know, you're getting the gift out, so you're like, oh. I don't think you're doing that. Now, you should pray and ask God what he wants in your home and what he wants in your life and then submit to that. Now, I will say there's one holiday that I don't agree with that statement on, and that's Halloween. I said this a few weeks ago. That's something we don't partake in because it's not far removed. It's still just as evil as when the day began. Like Satan has tried to make it like cute and fun and all this stuff so it can just suck us into it and we're okay with it. But there's literally people going through the season of, of or the time of Halloween and they're like, they're worshiping devils and they're trying to connect with evil spirits and they're even uh, sacrificing animals on that night and they're even sacrificing people on that night. You can find, there's all kinds of research on this that you can go find. So that's one where I have, God is not in death. He's not in fear. He's not in the make-believe. He's not in witchcraft. He's not in sorcery. He's not in any of that stuff. And we're, as a church, we are not going to have anything to do with that. I know there's other pastors that do some things, and that's between them and God. That's fine. That's between them and God. I know what God's telling us for this church. We're not going to have anything to do with that stuff. Now, I don't think there's a lot of people out there worshiping Christmas trees. I mean, some of them are. Like, let's be real. Like, they go crazy with those things, right? And they make such a big deal out of it. But you guys, I'm not, I don't think God's sitting there going, ah, you pagan worshiper, you know. Does that all make sense? I, I just wanted to clarify that because my wife says sometimes, you know, I can say some stuff and you think I'm telling you because it's me. And, and uh, you know, like, that's a, that's a me thing. I'm just not going to have Christmas trees. I'm not setting them up here. I'm not setting them up in my house. You know, we might do some decorations and stuff if somebody gets, you know, motivated to do that or something, get some kind of, we can, I'm not going to do it, more than likely, so I just wanted to, as we're talking about the reason for the season, kind of just make that clarification, because I know it is that time of year, and uh, people are doing all kinds of, you know, that kinds of stuff, and, and uh, so, purpose, the word purpose means the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used, etc., 
an intended or desired result. It has an end, an aim, or a goal. It's determination. It's resoluteness. There's, there's a purpose to things, right? There's a purpose to your life. There's a purpose to my life. There's a purpose to that chair. There's a purpose to this platform. Everything we do, there's purpose to it. Um, two of the greatest statements ever made were made in undesirable situations and circumstances by God himself. The first was, let there be light. In the midst of chaos and in the midst of confusion with nothingness, God said, let there be light, and everything changed. Amen? And then you find this, uh, you know, some 6,000 years later, I believe, or 5,000 years later, you find uh, Jesus, and you, you hear the, the, the angel saying, now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise. Or you hear the writer of the scripture saying, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this rise, on this wise. When, when Jesus was born, he was born in a mess. He was born in a stable, in a manger that was dark and dirty and ugly, and it wasn't a beautiful place, amen, but yet. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he came into that mess. Amen. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and that every one of us is falling short of God. It's not your fault, really. It's not my fault, really, uh, that we have to deal with these things. You and I were born into sin. We are shaping in iniquity. It's a nature that has been put into us because of our carnal man. It's the sin nature. Uh, you see it in little kids. You don't have to teach your little one how to lie. They just lie, like they mark up the wall and they color it and they got marker all over them. And you're like, who did this? And they were like, it was Bubba. <laughs> right? They, you don't have to tell them how to do that. They just know. You tell them, who ate the cookie? Oh, I don't know. It was the dog. And they got cookie all over their face, right? Right? Uh, you know, my little one, he's three. I, I don't have to teach him how to tell me no <laughs> and be disobedient. He's figuring it out himself. <laughs> Praise God. And I'm thankful for it. And he's going to learn. And he's going to grow out of that. But, you know, it's his nature. It's the sin nature, you know. But as parents, you know, we take our children and we love on them and we're, we're patient with them and we try to teach them and we, we try to raise them up in the way that they should go. So when they're older, they're not doing that stuff. It's the same thing with God when we come into the church. He meets us where we're at. He sees our our faults and our failures and our mistakes and all the, the stuff that we've done our whole lives that, that lead and guide us. And he's saying, okay, we got to look at some of this stuff. and we gotta, We're not going to do that anymore. And we're going to start doing that. We're going to change it. And that's how God walks with us. It's the same thing. But because of one man's disobedience, we've all been cursed. So it's not really fair at all, I don't think. I mean, because of this one guy and this one gal, every one of us born with a natural, are born with a natural inclination and even a desire to sin. Like your flesh is easily drawn away by the lusts of the flesh and the carnal nature and the carnal world. It's, it's easy to be drawn away by that stuff. Your, your, your body like physically lusts after those things and desires them. And it's, this has been going on for thousands of years. And sins more than sexual immorality. Sin is more than anger or bullying or taking advantage of others. It's more than drug addictions because it's also not taking care of yourself physically. It's also, you know, overindulging in this physical body. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God gave you a body. And if I just consume all this stuff and I know it's bad for me and I do that all the time and it ends up making me sick, I'm not being a good steward of my temple. And then that is sin. It's not living within your means and spending money when you don't really have it. Because that, again, is being a bad steward. Amen. And, you know, Black Friday just happened, and there's probably some people in here that spent more money than you probably should have. 
on things you don't really need, but just things you want, amen? Because why? Your flesh desired it. And it overrode your thinking that said, ah, should I really spend all that money on this thing? Do they, do they need that? Nah, but I think they want it, so I'm just going to spend the money. And now you're sitting there going, ah, oh, the end of the month's coming real quick. How am I going to pay my bills? It's carrying grudges and unforgiveness in your heart towards others, no matter how much you feel justified in doing it. Just because somebody did you wrong doesn't mean that you're, you're supposed to carry the anger and the bitter, uh, bitterness and criticalness towards that person the rest of your life. You're supposed to let that go and show them forgiveness no matter how bad they treated you. And if you're not, you're not walking in God's will, so you're walking in sin. It's gossiping. It's being disobedient to parents. It's not serving others or giving. There are many things that are, that are sin that can creep into our lives very subtly, and they'll creep into our lives even when we're not aware of them if we let our guards down, if we start entertaining things, if we start, start dabbling in things, and we start letting them in our life because we have a sin nature, and that sin nature can rise up very easily in any one of us. You're not so holy and spiritual that that sin nature can't rise up in you if you let it. Amen. That's why I talked to him this morning. One of the greatest things ever said in the Bible was when Jesus said, Not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done. If I keep my will under subjection to his will, I won't fall into sin. But if I walk out and I say, ah, I'm just going to kind of do things my way today, you're, you're on a very dangerous path. Sin is waiting at your door. And many times the sin nature we struggle with will cause us to find ourselves in places that are not the best. We find ourselves in places we didn't really intend to end up in. Because of our choices and desires, we end up in places that are not the best for us. They're not the cleanest or the most productive for our lives. It's just like the, par the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus spoke about. A young man had everything going for him, had all, everything he could desire, everything he really needed, not desire, but everything he needed in life. And it was good, and it was clean, and it was great. He had a father that was taking care of him. But he looked out, and he said, you know what? I think there's some things out there that I would like to do. So I'm going to take my inheritance now. Father, I'm going to take the money you got for me, the blessing you got for me, and then I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to take that blessing, and I'm going to do with it what I want. And so he begins to feed his flesh, and he begins to get wrapped up in the world. And next thing he knows, the blessing is gone. There's no more blessing, and he finds himself sitting in a pig pen, in a mess. He never intended to go to the pig pen. He just wanted to entertain this thing, this bodily flesh of his, his carnal nature. His sin was that he lusted for money so that he could go and spend it on things to please his carnal nature. And then he finds himself in a pig pen. Because of unrestrained desire to live for himself, he finds himself living in squalor and filth. And that can happen to any of us. Maybe we don't find ourselves living in a pen pen, actually, but our homes become places of turmoil instead of peace. Our lives become chaos and struggle, and we become emotional wrecks because we get stressed over the spending of the money or, or whatever I have allowed into my life, and it consumes my mind, and it gets me off. And, and, and we can stay angry at our spouses, and we can stay angry at other people for the things that they do, but really it's us that, that we're dealing with, right? We can stay angry at our children and our jobs and the traffic, you name it. All this stuff can creep into our lives and begin to control us, control our thinking, control our actions, and the way we interact with both God and man. 
All of these things can cause us to find ourselves in less than ideal situations, and that's what sin does to us. It causes us to move away from the plans and purpose of God, which is for our good. Amen. And instead, many times we find ourselves in undesirable places and situations. Tony said the verse today when he was in the worship, Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says, this is God talking. Amen. Yeah. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Towards you. You know, a lot of times we hear this stuff and, and, and we read the Bible and it says statements like that. And we think he's talking to everybody else. But he's talking to you. If you're sitting here today, he's talking to you. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. We need to internalize these words that God has spoken. Yes, it's for the whole world, but it's for me too. Amen. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts that he thinks towards me. Amen, because I got his word. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God, when you were created, when he formed you in your mama's womb, he had a plan for your life. He had a purpose for your life, an ordained plan and an ordained purpose for your life that he had before you ever took a breath. Amen. He created you with purpose and with plan and with destiny. Amen. But because we have this sin nature, it's easy to fall into decisions and lifestyles that cause us to end up in places that God did not intend for us to be. And you see this all through the Bible, especially in the children of Israel. These are God's chosen people. They're his holy nation. They're the apple of his eye. He loves them so much, and he calls them out, and he blesses them. Yet, they go through these cycles you see it all through the Old Testament. They, they have moments with God. They have experiences with God. And there will be a moment of time that they walk with God. And then they'll start looking at the world. And they'll start looking at all these other things out here. And they'll start messing with them. And they'll start letting them in their life. All these things that God said, nah, you shouldn't do that. Don't be doing that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I got a plan for you. And that's not it. I got a plan for you. But you're going to walk over here. And they walk over here and they start meddling with stuff. None of them intended to get so wrapped up in that stuff that they were out of the will of God, but yet they interacted with it and they played with it and they let it in their lives. Next thing you know, the whole nation is out of whack and they're worshiping false gods and they're building altars to these false gods. They're doing all kinds of stuff. So God decides that he's going to give them the law. He's going to give them a guide and an outline on how to deal with their sin, which was the law. Do you do this? Then I want you to do that. If this happens to you, then you need to do this. If this comes into your home, then you do this. It's the law. But these things never really took care of the true issue in their lives, which was the heart of man. The heart of man that was inclined to sin because of what Adam and Eve had done so many years before. The works of the law were really just acts that kind of covered the issues. The killing of an animal and the shedding of its blood didn't really fix the issue. Men's hearts were still corrupted by sin. The sacrifices didn't fix the problem. And so people would understand that they were disobedient to God and that he was not pleased with uh, that, all that they were doing. So they would take a sacrifice to the priest. And that sacrifice and the shedding of its blood would cover their sin. It was a covering that was applied to the sin in a person's life. It didn't heal or cure the sin. It just covered it. It was kind of like a Band-Aid of sorts. Kind of like Band-Aids. You, know, you, you guys know what I mean by Band-Aids, right? Amen. Many of us have used Band-Aids in our lives just as the Israelites did so many years ago. 
Band-aids are the things that cover up a wound, but they don't actually heal the wound. The body has to do the healing. The body has to send the stuff to the wound and the nutrients and the, the blood and the platelets and all the white blood cells and all that jazz and send it to the place of the wound to heal it. It's not the um, actual Band-Aid that's healing it. It's the body that's healing it. The Band-Aid just covers it while the body heals it. The Band-Aid just covers the wound with the, while the body is doing the healing. And many of us have used or are using Band-Aids right now in our lives. I've used many Band-Aids in my life. For the first 30 years of my life, I had all kinds of Band-Aids. I used, to, used them to help me deal with the wounds that life threw at me. I would use anger to cover up the fear I felt in my life. When I started to feel fear, I'd retaliate and I'd want to attack and I'd want to fight and I'd want to get, uh, get back at people or whatever the situation was, but I'd use the anger to cover the fear. I'd use sexual relationships to cover the longing that I had for actual intimacy with certain people in my life, and I thought physical relationships would heal the pain of not having true intimate relationships with those I loved. Because I felt physically inferior to others in many ways, I got tattoos and piercings all over me because I thought that made me look a lot cooler than I actually was. I would use drugs to cover the stress and anxiety that I felt from not knowing how to cope with or deal with any of my inward struggles. It was easier to just cover the pain, the fear, the shame, and guilt I felt for so, uh, for so many different things in my life. From all of the choices I made that kept leading me back to the pig pen of life. And I was never truly able to heal the wounds that I had because I would just cover them with Band-Aids. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be stable. I wanted to make good choices that were productive and healthy in my life and productive and healthy for my family. Yet I was never able to because I never went to the wounds and truly found healing for them. I would just cover them with Band-Aids. And Band-Aids don't heal wounds. They just, heal, they just cover them until the healing occurs. And eventually the wound or the sickness would resurface in my life. And usually it was worse now than when I had reapplied the bandage the last time. And I wonder if any of you can relate to this. If I wonder if any of you know what I'm talking about. The Israelites sure could. They would come to God and they would ask for, for their forgiveness. And they would bring their band-aids or they would bring their sacrifices to the priest so that they could apply the band-aid one more time. And over and over they would find themselves caught up in the same wounds, in the same wounds, in the same failures, in the same faults, in the same hurts, in the same sin. <coughs> and they would have to go again and again to the priest to bring another offering as a sacrifice to cover what was wounding them. And if we're truly honest with ourselves today and we look at our lives, there are probably some band-aids that we've applied to our lives. There are probably some band-aids that we've applied on our own lives. Some of the wounds may be easy to see, some may not. Some may be on the surface, but some may also be deep down inside of us. It may very well be an addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to sexual immorality, to food, to media and entertainment. It may also be the hurt you've carried for years that you don't like, so you cover it with unforgiveness and anger and criticalness, and you feel that, you've, uh, you feel that it's fine to do all that, to cover up those hurts with these things. You're just covering the hurt. 
Maybe they're inadequacies that you feel as a parent. So you buy things for your children, and you, you, you do all this stuff to try to, try, try to buy their love and win their love and, and, and make them love you and all that. And really, they just want to spend time with you, and they want your attention, and they want your, your, your focus on them. But you want to be accepted, so you put a Band-Aid on it. Maybe it's your fear of failing, so you give of yourself day in and day out so that you can feel successful on your job or find worth in doing instead of being. You find your worth because of what you do and not because of who you are. Whatever it is, if we're honest with ourselves, there very well may be some area, some circumstance in all of our lives, whether emotionally or physically or spiritually, that we're not comfortable with in our lives, that we're not really comfortable with that thing hanging on to us where we have made decisions and we've covered those wounds with Band-Aids. And, and you very well may have found yourself in an undesirable situation such as a pig pen because of the choices you made. Hallelujah. But I want you to know today, I want you to know today that if that is the case for you, if you've spent a lifetime or even just the past week applying bandages to the wounds in your life, that band-aid does not have to be the end of the story for you. That band-aid doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all, the only source of relief that you can find in your life today. Because just as God did not leave the children of Israel stuck in the cycle of wounds and band-aids, that's not the end of the story for you either today. Amen. He has not left us stuck there because just as he said, let there be light so many years ago, hallelujah, there came a day when glory entered into a not so desirable situation also, hallelujah, where the wonder of God was truly revealed, life and hope and true healing was manifested and it didn't show up in the splendor of this world. It didn't show up in the best atmosphere that it could. It didn't show up in palaces or castles or hospitals even, but it showed up in a place that was not so desirable. It showed up in a place that stunk and it was dirty and it was dark, a place that was not even meant for it. But yet in the dark and in that dirty place, life showed up. Life came. The answer came. The healing came. The deliverance came. And not just life, but abundant life. Life for whosoever will. Life to bring true healing to the nations and to every individual. Not band-aids for the wounds of the people, but true healing for the wounds. Life that was to shine into the darkness and the bitterness and the sickness of life. Of those that were bound by the sinful nature that had plagued them like a sickness their whole lives. Into that little dark and dirty manger came life. Life. And the mess. And it came for all mankind, whether rich or poor, whether they lived a decent life or one of deprivation, even for those who did not want it. It still came for them. God brought the answer in the form of Jesus for the healing from all sin, from the healing from all sin. Hallelujah. Not just a band aid to cover the sin, but the answer to sin. Light was birthed into darkness. Life was given for death. 
And just as that life was birthed into that undesirable situation and the filth and the darkness of that situation of a messenger of a manger some 2,000 years ago, Jesus wants to birth true life and true health and true light into the pig pen possibly that you find yourself in today. The situations you find yourself in, Jesus is here and he's saying, I can move in that. It may look bad to you. It may look bad to your understanding. It may look bad to the world, but I can move in that and I can work in that and I can touch your life in that and I can bring you out of that pig pen and I can make you new. I can change everything about you. You will become a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things have become new. He doesn't just want to give you a Band-Aid to cover up your unproductive decisions and lifestyle. He doesn't want to just put a bandage over your hurts and your past failures like we tend to do. But he wants to give you life. And not just life, but abundant life. A life that causes you to have the strength and the ability through him to overcome your wounds and your hurts, to find healing for everything that you've ever tried to cover up from your past. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. It don't matter how far you may feel from God, how messed up you may have done, what the things you've done, how far you feel like, hallelujah, you're distant from him. or what. It don't matter where you're at today. God, you're not too far for God to reach into your life and to do a work in your life, to reach into your life and to bring deliverance and freedom and healing to those wounds. Jeremiah 29 and 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. He said after 70 years in captivity, look, you're not too far gone. Hallelujah. You got breath in your lungs today, there's healing for you. You got breath in your lungs today, there's deliverance for you. You got breath in your lungs today, there's hope for you today. It don't matter how long you've been in that pig pen. It don't matter where you find yourself. God will pull you out of there and he'll turn your feet around and he'll put you on a new path and he'll bring healing into your life and deliverance and freedom and peace and joy and kindness and love and gentleness and all the fruits of the Spirit. He said, after 70 years, be accomplished. I will. He didn't say, I might. He said, I will. (laughs) I love the I wills. I will visit you. You, 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 you. It's you. It's me. It's us. But it's you. You need to read the word as if he's talking to you. That's for me. That's That's a word from God for me. Amen. Because it is a word for God, for you. Hallelujah. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected him. Then shall ye call upon my name, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek my face, and you shall find me when you shall search, shall search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again 
again into the place which I caused you to be carried away captive. I will put you back on your purpose. I will put you back on the plan that I ordained from your life when I said there's going to be life in that womb right there. That life is for my purpose. And amen. You might have got off the path. You might have got off the plan. But he says, I'm going to bring you back. If you'll just search me with all your heart. If you'll just reach out to me. If you'll just come to me. I'll put you back on the path. I'll put you on the path I've ordained for your life. When God formed you in the womb, he created you with a plan for his good. For your good. But many times because of the sin nature within us, we make choices. And we allow things in our lives that cause us to be derailed from the plan and the purpose of God. But that does not change his plans for us. It might change the direction you got to go, but it don't change the plan. He doesn't just say, well, there they go. I guess, you know, whatever. I'm going to let my plan be about this now or whatever. No, he's still got the same plan. His plan doesn't change. Hallelujah. He just wants you to get back online with his plan. And he will meet you. And he will set you free. And he will touch you. It doesn't matter today if you find yourself in a pig pen or not. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. Just as the glory of God was birthed in that dirty and dark manger, his glory can and will be birthed in your place of struggle today if you allow it, if you reach out for it. The young man that woke up in that pig pen after allowing himself to make decisions and live a time of uh, covering his wounds with band-aids, covering his, 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 his mistakes and all that. We're trying to just find uh, acceptance in the world and, and joy in the world and feeding of this flesh. After taking everything that had been given to him and squandering on his own desires, he finds himself stuck in a vile and an awful situation. The Bible says in Luke 15 and 16, this is the amplified version Luke 15 and 16, he said, uh, he would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eaten, but they could not satisfy his hunger. This guy had everything just a little bit ago, or at least he thought he did. He had the money, he had the friends, he had the fun, he was doing all this stuff, he was enjoying life. Here he is in a pig pen, and he can't even find any food to eat. And he said, no one was giving anything to him. There was no one there to provide for him. But when he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I am dying here of hunger? I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven by being disobedient to you, by walking in my flesh, but I've also sinned against you because I've taken what you've given me and I've wasted it. I wasn't a good steward of it. And he's like, I'm such a mess. My father is back home. And he's got hired servants, slaves that are living in luxury compared to what I'm living in right now. I'm just going to go back home. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against you. I'm just going to repent of that stuff. He goes on, he says, I'm no longer worthy, or uh, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
and was moved with compassion for him. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. I wonder how many days that father would walk out the front door and look out in the distance and just sit there. I know my boy's out there. And he's going to come home one day. And when he comes, I'm going to see him coming. I'm watching for him. I'm believing it. I'm waiting for it. And when he comes, I'm going to be right here waiting for him. I'm going to see him when he comes. And he did. He seen him. And when he seen that young man way out there, he recognized his son, even in the filth, even in the mess that he created. He didn't look the same. He couldn't have looked the same. He'd been living in a pig pen. And here he comes walking way down the road. He says he sees him afar off and he recognizes, that's my son. That's still my son. That's my son. Yeah, there's some things on him. Yeah, there's some dirt on him. Yeah, there's some band-aids that have been applied to his life. But that's my son. I see him. I know who he is. And so he runs to him and he grabs him up and he hugs him and he kisses him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's what we do. We feel like we mess up with God. We make a mistake. We get caught up in sin. And, and God starts convicting us. And we're like, we're not, we're not even worthy to be called your son anymore. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said, he, he didn't even acknowledge that. He didn't even acknowledge that. He said, the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe, the robe of honor. Hallelujah. Because, yeah, you're dirty right now, but I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to take those Band-Aids off your life, and I'm going to put the royal robe on you, the one that I've ordained for your life, the one I've been keeping just for you. Amen. And he put it on him, and he said, give him a ring for his hands and sandals for his feet. You're going to restore him back into his sonship. Yeah, he's made some bad choices. He found himself in a pig pen, but he's coming back repenting. And he says, I see it, Lord, and I see it, Father. I messed up, okay? Hallelujah. I don't deserve anything from you, but I'm just asking you, can I at least have some food and stay here? And the Father says, ah, nah, I got more than that for you because you're back home. You once were lost, but now you're home. Amen. And you're still my son, so I'm going to restore you right back to where you were when you left. He said, bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let, let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate. For this, my son, or the son of mine, was as good as dead. But yet he's alive again. He's alive again. He was out there lost and bound up and broken in a pig pen, but he's alive again. He was lost, and he was, but he's been found, so they began to celebrate. That's what, the God, that's what God wants for you. That's what the Father wants to do in your life. He wants to meet you right where you're at in your mess, in your pig pit, in the bandage that you put on your life and the things that you've tried to, tried to feed into your life to heal those wounds and hurt that aren't God's will or his plan for your life. But yet, if you'll just run to him and say, God, I see it, Lord. I see it, Lord. I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the leaders. I've sinned against my father. Amen. I'm going to lay myself before you. I don't even have any right to be your son. But God's going to grab you up and he's going to wrap you in his loving arms and he's going to kiss you and he's going to change your clothes and he's going to restore you back into the sonship into the plan and the purpose that he's ordained for your life the father was there waiting the whole time he never gave up on the hope that his son would come back he never stopped believing in his son and when his son did return beat down and broken and wounded he didn't condemn the son for his choices but instead he embraced the son 
And he, know, he let him know that he loved him. The father threw him a party, and that is exactly what your heavenly father wants to do to you today. God's just looking at you. He sees you out there. He sees you in your struggles. He sees you with what you're dealing with. He sees the wounds deep down in your spirit that cause you to do things that go against God and his word. He sees how you're trying to fix the hurts and the struggles and the pains in your life by your own methods and by the world's methods. And he's looking at you. He's looking down the road. He's looking for you to come to him so that he can embrace you in his loving arms and heal you of your guilt because of the choices that you made to clothe you and to feed you. God's here today reaching into your situation, letting you know that there's another option to heal your wounds than just to keep covering them with Band-Aids that don't ever fix anything. There's an answer to the hurts and the struggles that you face and the situations that you find yourself in. God is greater, and his love is greater, and his ability is greater. Hallelujah. Just as that little baby, the answer for all sin was birthed in an undesirable manger, his answer for all of your wounds can be birthed in the undesirable situations you find yourself in today. You just have to be willing to recognize where you are and how you got there. And then get up and run to the Father. You got to get up and run to the Father and let him embrace you in his loving and his healing arms. That is the answer to all sin and all wounds the loving arms of Jesus. That is the answer. You can try all kinds of stuff, but nothing's going to truly heal you. You got to get in the loving arms of Jesus because just as Jesus was birthed to bring life, he wants to give each of us here new life. The glory of God was birthed into the chaos of this world with the purpose of birthing his glory into the chaos of your own personal world. He came into that darkness and that mess and that situation and was birthed in there in a place he really probably shouldn't. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he went there. And just as you may find yourself in a situation, you may find yourself in undesirable situations, places that may not look the best or seem the best, God will reach into that and bring life and hope into your life. Music, if you'd come. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, talking about the reason for the season. Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will, not just I can, not just I have the, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You're not just your physical man, but your spiritual man and your emotional man. Every bit of you can be healed. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not God's will or plans for you to carry the weight and the stain of sin or failure in your life. It is his will for you to lay those weights and wounds upon him and to find rest for your soul in him, to find healing and deliverance in him for whatever you have going on in your life. Just as the father was waiting for his lost and bound son, God is standing here today 
waiting for each of us to run to him with our burdens and to lay them upon him because he is able to carry them. He's able to carry any situation you have, any mistake you've ever made, any hurt you carry, any bitterness, any scar, anything in your God can carry it. He's able to handle them, and he won't just bandage them up for us, but he'll give us true healing, and he'll give us true life. And this is the whole purpose for the season. This is the reason for the season. We say it's Jesus, and it is. I get it. But Jesus didn't have to come. God didn't need Jesus. We needed Jesus. You needed Jesus. I need Jesus. That's the reason for the season. If you guys could stand. Glory was manifested in that dirty, messed up manger so that glory could be manifested in our often dirty, sin-stained, messed up lives. Hope was born in darkness so that hope could bring light to our darkness. And that hope is here for all of us today. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter how far you may feel from God today, or even how close, we need to recognize that the whole purpose for Jesus' birth was you and I. It was you and I. It was you. It was you. Again, you need to internalize it. The reason for the season is you and I. It's mankind. It's people. The whole purpose that God came, became man was to bring us healing and to bring us life and to bring us hope into our often messy and undesirable world just as he came in to that messy and undesirable manger. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that he was willing to come for me. I'm so thankful that he was willing to leave the glory and the splendor of heaven and step into a dirty, stinky, a dark manger and come down into this world, into that mess of chaos. Why? Because he did it for me and he did it for you. Because in all of my mess, in all of the chaos of my life, he was still looking at me afar off. And he said, I got hope for you. I got hope for you. I got an answer for you. All that stuff you carry, you don't have to carry it. I'll carry it for you. You just got to give it to me. I made the answer. I made the way. I'm so thankful that you and I are truly the purpose for the season. No matter where you find yourself today, in its very basest form, you and I are the reason and the purpose for the season. That's amazing. Oh, that's so amazing. Because the only reason there was ever now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise was because there is a you and there is a me that needed a Savior to come and to heal my wounds. I needed a Savior to come and heal my heart, to cleanse me, to make me new to meet me in the chaos and bring life into my messes. And the only reason he came was to bring life into your messes, to heal your wounds so that you don't have to just kind of keep putting band-aids over and hoping it'll get taken care of, but to heal it. 
so that wound won't be able to bother you anymore, won't be able to affect you anymore, won't have any more hold over your life. And God is here to heal your wounds today, no matter how great or how deep they are. God can and God will heal your wounds if you'll take them to him. If you'll walk back and say, God, I see it, Lord. If I've sinned, I'm repenting. If I've sinned against you, God, I'm repenting. If I've sinned against others, I'm repenting. I'm laying it down. I'm going to lay that before you, and the Father will run to you, and he'll wrap you in his loving arms, and he'll meet you right where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter how far it's been, no matter how much you might have messed up. His love is greater than that. His love goes further than that. His love goes beyond that, and his plans and his purpose for you have never changed. He's just going to get you right back on track where you need to be. He came to take healing, take our hurts and our pains and to bring healing into our lives. The whole reason for the season is you and I. Why don't you just lift your hands for a moment? Oh, God. Oh, God, why don't you thank him for that? Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that? Come on, why don't you just thank him for that for a moment? Well, we're going to pray in a minute. If you got needs, God's going to heal your wounds. He's going to set you free from bondage. He's going to heal your body, your mind, and your spirit. But right now, why don't we just take a moment and thank him, Lord, that, God, you are willing, God, to come down into this world, God, out of your glory, God, and step into the mess of life, God. Hallelujah, so that you could shed light into my darkness, that you could bring life into my death, that you could bring hope into my hopelessness, that you could bring healing into my wounds. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. you to come to the front. I want you to take a step out of your seat if you're comfortable. Come on up here. Just pray for a little bit. You got things in your life that you know you've been putting band-aids on them. If you got things in your life that you've been trying to figure out the answer yourself, if you've been trying to take care of it yourself to find healing through things and, and deliverance through things, why don't you just like, acknowledge that to God right now and let him know, let him know, God, I need you, Lord. I need you, God. I need your strength. I need your life. I need your liberty. God. Oh, God, I'm going to lay those things down before you right now. God, I see it, God. I pray, God, that if there's anything in my life, God, that I'm using as a bandage, show it to me right now, God. Bring revelation to me. Bring revelation to me. Help me to see it, God. If there's things in my life that 